Hello everyone and welcome to the latest of the Echoes uh, Everton podcast. Me, Phil Kirkbride, Everton editor Greg O'Keefe, uh, footy tips to Tony Scott and the statsman Gav Buckland. Doing it again, new nickname for you, Gav. It's a bit unoriginal, isn't I, it? Really? I, was th- I was thinking about whether I should change my name by Deepole to uh, statsman Gav Buckland, actually, for the purposes of this Probably podcast. Probably should do, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, so we're in the, you know, the Christmas and the festive periods of time for giving, but Greg, is it also time for buying football clubs? <laughs> From what we're hearing, it won't be uh, quite Christmas, it might be a little New Year's. New Year's sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it'll be a bargain, but it'll be a sale, uh, possibly. Yeah, we, we're all. Uh, I mean, we've been aware for a while, haven't we, that there's been American interest yeah. in, in trying to buy Everton, and we've done a lot of research and like working to the Sporting Kansas mm. City link, and then I, I've got all my hands up and say that this this was news to me. This latest uh, report in the Times last night, I, I hadn't heard of John J. Moore's. Yeah. Or Charles Noel, so you know it wasn't. They weren't. Their interest wasn't familiar to me. And although, in it, of course, initially you treat anything with a bit of scepticism, a healthy degree of cynicism, I suppose. I, I'm now satisfied that what is it? You know, gone five o'clock on uh, on Wednesday. That it's 100% genuine interest, and yeah. that, you know that there is something to talk about here. And that the Times report, in the broadest terms, was right. And for me, that's the most interesting, exciting part of all this, if you like. In, in the past. Been little bits of truth or just complete, you know, sort of spurious rumours, really, where you end up down a rabbit hole and there's never anything in the first place. But I think here there finally is some meat on the bones and you know, prospect, albeit still only a prospect, of Everton having new owners in the sort of in the short term. Yeah, Tony, putting aside, you know, cautiously kind of optimistic, as Greg says, in terms of we've been here before, but do you nevertheless feel from what you've read? Do you feel this is the closest we've been in a while, or, or for us maybe a bit longer? Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? He said there's 100% concrete evidence to suggest that these guys want to take over the football club. I'm, I'm sceptical about it. I will admit. I think over the years, in my, in for my reason, I think there's been ownerships out there, or companies who've tried to buy the football club in the past. This is just my opinion. That could have been good for the football club, and I, I think it's come to a tilt now where Bill Kenway could be. It looks to me as if I'm willing to sell to anything now, which I don't want him to feel. I think we we've been offered better, better. What I'm trying to say is that I think there's better, better money elsewhere in the past, mm. and I just think it's come to a tilt now where we're having to sell to anyone, and I don't want to see that happen. I want to see Everton reach the top, and by doing that. I just don't think t- the reason to sell to anyone. That's what it looks like for me. Gavin, I mean, do, you, do you agree, or do you, do you, would you trust in in, in uh, the chairman and, and the board to sell to the right people? As they've maintained all along that that is at the heart of of the search for, for investment. Um, you've got to take their word for it, haven't you? Yeah. Really, at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't really get this. Well, sell to American or foreign owner that that makes it sort of more of a risk than somebody's business. Whoever you sell it to, there's always a risk, isn't it? Whether it's somebody from Allerton or LA or whatever, yeah, yeah. there's always a risk. Uh, I think what sort of changed in the last sort of six months is is the you know the sudden realization that next year you know the financial landscape for the Premier League changes with the the massive increase in the television money, which increases the wealth and sort of uh, financial capability of Premier League clubs. Um, I think it was it 102 million just for finishing bottom of the, uh, yeah. the Premier League next year, and if you're mid-table, 130 million, yeah. which is a massive step change. 
And so therefore, there's going to be more interest in, well, you mentioned with Crystal Palace last week, you know, more interest in, in, in buying, buying teams in, in the Premier League. So, you know, I think that's why when you said we're closer, we're closer for that reason as much as anything else. But I, I, at the same time, I do think that, you know, the owner and, and the people involved in Everton have got the best, still got the best interests of the, you know, the club of hearts and the supporters. Absolutely. Greg, you, you know, both of us have been, been working on this story all day. I mean, what can you tell us in terms of a bit about John Moores particularly, as well as Charles Noel, who, who, who we believe is also involved? I mean, a little bit of background background about his work with the San Diego Padres and, and an interesting piece you wrote. And although you were sort of saying, you know, look, not saying this will happen, but it was interesting to note that he... He built them a new stadium, didn't he? Which is obviously, you can't beat around the bush. It's a big issue for Everton yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly someone with an enormous amount of business acumen who's achieved a lot. Um, you know, multi, multi, multi millionaire. Worth, I think it's in the region like $500, uh, 500 million US dollars. That was um, valued when he actually sold yeah, yeah. the Padres. So, goodness knows what he's worth now. He's, he's clearly someone who's got a lot of money. He's achieved a lot in business life. His reign at the Padres, from what we can sort of assert, without being a, a baseball fan, is that he was someone who moved the club, like you say rightly, from a stadium they had to share with the San Diego Chargers, yeah. the American football team, and they were like a junior partner or junior tenant in that, so they weren't making much money from it, and they had to share it. He moved them into a new spark, a new stadium, and he did it, the interesting point is he did it via using regeneration cash. So he moved to a part of San Diego that was a bit deprived, a bit hard, you know, hard to heal, and they built a stadium. Within it, there was the, you know, your, your usual uh, leisure and retail facility, but that was able to have been done because there was re- regeneration grants and it, the, the striking parallels immediately come to mind to Waltnall Park, and that's how, obviously, a big part how Everton would like to make their dream of moving to Waltnall Park work is by tying it in with a partnership scheme with the council a regeneration for that part of North Liverpool so for me that, that sort of smacked me right in the face as something that if he sat down with Bill Kenwright and spoken about his track record his CV he's pointing to I think research you know, looked into a Stanford business case study and he was the, one of the first to ever do it right, okay. one of the first to ever move, basically part from the stadium move with regeneration cash now as you say just because he's done it once in America it was 2004 when they moved into their ground. Times have changed since then. We've had a global recession. Yeah, yeah. And obviously it's different than it, than it is in Merseyside, than it is in San Diego, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously a lot more yeah. cash rich, even in the worst part of San Diego. There's probably more money knocking about than there is in Liverpool right now yeah. with a central government, which is in direct political opposition to the council. So I'm not suggesting for a second that you can just come and parachute in here and, and do that straight away. But it, it is, for me, very interesting. Now... On the flip side of it, like any owner of, of a big sort of sports franchise, he's not someone who's universally lo- loved and admired by the, the Padres fans. You look, you only have to look around at the, the articles being written from the sort of fan blogs and stuff like that, that his time at, at the club was mixed, a bit of a divisive figure. But ultimately, he delivered that stadium, and that stadium allowed them to go and compete, going from also runs really, to go and compete with the, the big boys. And that alone, for me, is interesting and I'd like to see hear a little bit more about his intentions for Everton. How does he leave the Padres? How does he actually leave them? That's really interesting because basically he left them a much significantly wealthier man than he was when he, he took them. 
because he sold them increase on his te for ten times what they're worth. But let's let's not say that's a suggestion that there was anything like nefarious or mm. bad about his intentions. He's a businessman. Yeah. And that's what me and Phil won the first conversation we had in the office this morning was people have been saying it for years and it doesn't really sink home because you believe well, the prospect of Everton being sold was never really it didn't feel like it was ever close but it remains true after that when, when Bill Kamak does sell and he's off the scene the AG account rights are over the next owner unless it's a, a legacy group belonging to a, a mega rich Emirati state who just want to play thing or a brand of riches mate mm. who just has got so much money he doesn't care yeah. your next owners will have a plan and that plan will be Invest, make a profit, and sell the business people. Unless yeah. maybe you know they want to be there for decades upon decades upon decades. I don't even believe Liverpool's current owners have intend to be there forever. I think ultimately they'll quick get to a point where, yeah. well, there's a relative quick book, but they certainly want to make a book. The Glazers at United, you know, ultimately they'll all that debt. United are able to spend and spend and spend, but that's all borrowed against the club yeah. globally. So we're getting in way beyond the realms of mode, but. He left them, and he was a much richer man. Yeah, now, but how does he leave the club itself? Even, eventually, he was bought out, and the club was in a healthier financial situation because they had the new ground, and because they were able to compete and, and buy players that they wouldn't have done when they shared the stadium with a poxy medical football So team. why is there so much bad publicity with their fans, then, if he left them in a decent way? I really haven't gone into the be-on-end all of this time there, because don't forget, it's like if you're trying to explain to a baseball fan the intricacies of yeah. Bill Kenwright Robert Elston's time yeah, yeah. you'd be sat there all day with mm. them so as it comes this tea time I don't know enough detail about it but I know enough to know that not everyone loved him he's mm. a bit, you know, bit of a Marmite figure but I think if you, look, if you speak about people like Werner at Liverpool you know John Henry yeah. certainly they weren't universally adored I think baseball fans are a bit like football fans in that they've all got an opinion and they've always said think people have done things better certainly mm. I know it's I know it's un unlikely that anyone buying a football club has, has an infinity with the football club that they're buying but for me my worry is that these have just picked any randomly football club they just had the the got Swansea. the knockback from Swansea City didn't they and now the next one let's move to Everton so it worries me that there's this kind of no infinity with Everton at all. It, it just could be any old it's a football. It's a business deal, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. The next question I was going to ask, Gavin, just on a kind of emotional level, how does it make you feel as an Evertonian if if, if this was to go through and to lose um, a club which was owned by an Evertonian? Yeah. Who, who makes decisions for everything for the best of the football club to then go into a position as Greg says, where we would have owners that. A businessman, at first yeah. and foremost. How does that make you feel, though, as a fan and a supporter? Well, I mean, a little bit of... John Moores was an interesting name, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. cropped up in this. Because uh, John Moores, of course, was our famous chairman uh, in, the, in the 60s, in the successful days of the 60s. And he'd obviously built his uh, empire at Littlewoods. But even though he was an Evertonian and a massive Evertonian, he still viewed the club as a business. Okay. Yeah. You know, and that's going back to the 60s. You know, he lent the club £100,000. Didn't invest £100,000. He, he lent the club, yeah, yeah. and the club had to be paying back. He left his chairman in 19, I think it was 68, 67. Uh, in 72, when the club was struggling, he came back as chairman, and he was interviewed uh, interview with him on Sunday Express, and he was asked why did he come back. He says, well, I'm a businessman, and the business is struggling. Yeah. He'd gone from 50,000 crowds in 1970 to 29,000 in 1972. The business is losing money. And I'm, I've got this still as an investment. So he was he was a massive Everton fan, had been since he was a kid. But for him, 
as chairman, he was a businessman. So you're saying he, and this, he this, this wouldn't be uncharted waters in no, many no, respects? No, no, and it's, it's, and it's a bit, you know, it, it, you know, few, few and chairman as businessmen want, want to make an investment and a return is not necessarily something that's only happened in the last 10 years. You know, okay, in the 60s, the way people who were local men made good, but the way people like Moores, who viewed it, even though there was a club that they loved, still viewed it, it was their money yeah, yeah. as an investment and as a business. So it's it, and he, he was one of the great Everton. Yeah, does it worry you, though, what I've just said then, that oh, he'd just gone from Swansea, had the knockback, oh, let's go and try and buy Everton? I think in finish it's not quite as clear as that. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but they wanted or they're interested in buying a 30% stake of Swansea. And ultimately then the talks with Swansea, you don't forget a predominantly supporter owned. So there's Yeah, the way that I understand that situation as you said, they wanted 30% for 30 million, but there was no guarantee at the talk stage of what they were going to invest on top of that. So they weren't investing Per se, they weren't owning the club and saying we're going to pump this money in and going to mm. take you forward. It was it was initially we want a shareholding in the club. So look, obviously, if you if you then say well, well, if they want a shareholding, they want to profit from the, the Premier League TV deal and having a Premier League club and being part Which of that. Of you have to it. then therefore pump some money in because otherwise you lose your Premier League status. But I think the feeling was among the Swansea fans that they they'd saved their club from the brink of administration in 2002. Mm. They are all, you know, majority of the shareholders, if not every one of them, is a fan. So they did not feel comfortable giving a significant chunk of their club to foreign ownership without any guarantee of their intention. They, look, they mm. didn't. There was no. They weren't saying these were shady characters or yeah, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. There was nothing toward. But they thought they were. They were gambling with the future that they'd, they'd worked so hard to save. Yeah. For me, I suppose there's more parallels with with Aston Villa mm. in terms of the way you know after that period of yeah. longevity under chairman owner who was a fan that age and they've gone long before us that age had sort of ended for them and, and they sold out to foreign businessmen in America and yeah, obviously yeah. Randy Lerner and well clearly mixed results yeah probably yeah. where but I think how much of that is Randy Lerner's fault and how much of that is down to the vagaries of football and managerial appointments and yeah. signing I don't know it's difficult to say yeah, no mean, one's saying this will be the dream ticket I think, no, no, I think no. it's more to do with managerial disappointments that he's had in the past he's pumped a lot of money into Aston Villa yes. you look at his record since he turns up there it's, it's hundreds of millions given. I remember Martin O'Neill he was just giving him millions after millions after the season so I think it, it can't be faulted on that bit as is in as in what he's put in but when you're looking at that look at where Aston Villa are now and you're thinking Jesus yeah. it's, not, it's not a golden ticket no no and I think that what we're touching on here is the, is the biggest point, isn't it? You know, I think going back to Phil's question about owners, whether he worried about them, as long as the club retains that sort of unique soul, it's gotten sort of, you know, the feeling of being an Everton fan, you know, and the owner respects that, that's fine. But ultimately, it's all about what happens on the pitch, isn't it? You know, you're talking about <laughs> Aston Villa, you know, for yeah. the first four years, they were competing with, with yeah. Oaks yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, like in the first three years, we were ahead of Villa, like for all, you know, um, and they only went downhill from 2010. So between 2006, 2010, Randy Lane is a, is a great, great owner. I mean, the book about Brian Reid mentions about you know about the previous Liverpool owners. You know, uh, he was saying like Randy Lane was like the American owner that actually was more suited to English football than the previous, yeah. you know, the, the two at um, at Anfield. Now that's probably a different view, but that's mm. just purely because the results yes. have gone down, yeah, yeah. haven't they, in, the, in, the, in that, in that four-year period. So, 
whatever we talk about football it's what happens on the pitch isn't it yeah, yeah, it goes definitely. back to what the John Moore's thing from the early 70s things have gone wrong on the pitch in the early 70s so, so, so. Is, that, so is that the lesson then I mean we're yeah. jumping way ahead of ourselves and say a deal went through does that mean that you would have to you'd be an advocate of complete stability with everything else at the football club playing staff managerial staff etc to maintain you know it's almost like a seamless transition is that what you're saying I think, I think it's a long term thing yeah. I mean, that's what City that's what City have got right haven't they it's like their ownership they've been there seven years haven't they God, yeah. and it, it's it's a long time and their, their mantra's been like we're in here for the long term and like we want to build up at an incremental mm. on an incremental basis rather than coming in and like doing and blamming throwing loads of money and yeah. stuff you know yeah. they've redeveloped the infrastructure which is fantastic by the Etihad isn't it all, yeah, all yeah. that area is yeah. just, just fantastic Um you know, and that's like the San Diego thing, isn't yeah, it, Greg? Where yeah. it's like, you know, it is like a very was a very rundown area. And yeah. you look at it now, it, the infrastructure's fantastic, and and they've that's what their that's what their plans have been within for the long term. And you would hope that whoever took over Everton would also have that mm. that thing within here for the long term and to build up, you know, ensure we've got stability and and build up from that really. Mm. Absolutely. Well, say you'd hope so. I mean, that's why the stadium for me is intrinsically always has been linked with the ownership debate and if if these people can come in Moore's Noel and others which is an important part of getting back to what Tony was saying about his concern over, over Swansea I think there's probably more people involved in the consortium that trying to buy Everton than there were trying to buy the 30% stake at Swansea mm. so it's who these people are and how wealthy they are we don't know who they are yet mm. so it's it's not just these two guys there's no, other there's businessmen people, from people Europe on, on this side well, yeah. as well yeah, so, yeah. so then, you know, flip, flipping and flopping, I know, but there is the fear, of course, that they come in and they build a, a great new stadium, which is able to make Everton sort of the value of the club rise inordinately, and then they just sell them and move on. Uh, you know, that's, that could happen, and that stability then is gone. But it's a double-edged sword, what yeah, you want. Yeah. Bill Kenwright said, and we know full well, that he's not able to make the club t- t- take that step forward. He just hasn't got that level of resource someone has and so whether people in the past have come in who've maybe had more money than these i don't know that was my previous point is that i think we've missed the boat in that time when we had i know it sounds stupid because we've probably got a better squad than what we have we've ever had in the premier league years but i think when we've been like fourth sixth and we've had a great time to literally move on to that next level that TV and, deal and, wasn't, this I, TV deal as it was wasn't there now so what, yeah. what, what I'm then trying to say is that isn't there a chance that Everton need proper businessmen more than a lump sum of cash just to be thrown at it in a takeover they need well, proper well, these, well, these, these clearly are them. these will be business clearly are the idea, business yeah. mm. that, would be, that would be the point wouldn't it yeah. you know they've got a track record of businesses and you know, with the Padres and stuff. So, no, I'd say that would be that would be a fair point. No, going back to the basics of this possible turnover. Obviously, you've got Bill Kenwright and he's the, one of the major shareholders, and you've got John Woods, Robert Earl, Lord Grantchester. All these four will have to agree on this. I'm guessing. I think that is the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think, I think the board. Works. I'm not again. I'm not all across business etiquette when it comes to a board. Yeah. I, I don't know whether or not it would just take the majority shareholder to sell. And which, then is you, Bill which is Bill Kenwright. Yeah. And then you effectively, if they buy out Bill Kenwright, they become the majority shareholders. Would that be the what they want to do, or would they want to take over the whole club? At the moment, that's what that's what we're not sure about. Yeah. But the fact that the Times are talking about 
200 million suggests to me that they're not looking to just buy out Bill, Bill Kenwright's share holding isn't worth 200 million yeah. it suggests to me that they want to buy the majority um, they want to buy the club outright yeah. now you've still got other shareholders minority shareholders who might not want to sell Yeah. so they won't come in and own 100% of the club mm. in the way that uh, Abu Dhabi owns City yeah. they wouldn't have the money maybe to yeah. that or they simply wouldn't have people willing to, they wouldn't be able to offer them enough for the shares some people mm. well, you know don't you Phil mm. will want to stick keep hold of their shares yeah you'd imagine so um, so I think their intention I think is to become the owners is it me when, when I seen yeah, headline this morning, and I looked down. I thought like two hundred million. And is it just me being plain daft here, or what? I looked down. I thought two hundred million full takeover of Everton Football Club, and then I seen. And it's only two or three weeks ago we were sat in the same room. We were talking John Stones fifty million, Romelu Lukaku fifty million, Ross Barkley fifty million. Gone. It's hundred and fifty million pounds worth of players there. So well, am I just read? Am I just plain daft here? Well, it's interesting. But we spoke to John Blaine, who's the chairman of the Everton Shareholders Association, and he said. His understanding of what he would believe, if that figure was correct, he said, he said the 200 million he would think would be for the three main shareholders. It wouldn't be for 100%. So he said, he said the actual value of the club would be closer to 300 million. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's I, because these three players have just rattled off their way to about 150 million alone. Yeah, and also the, the new TV deal and stuff like that gives you um, greater income, doesn't it, in future yeah, years, yeah. but has to drive up the value of, of the club. It's just uh, it's very interesting, but it's just. You know, you do get away from. It's important to 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 retain a view that's all. What happens on the pitch, isn't it? That's mm. important and all mm. of this. You know, when, even when there's a takeover, it okay. You talk about investor money, but it's the results week in week out that will dictate any success, won't it? Really, mm, of course, yeah. You know, and, and that that's that's really the important thing for for me. And uh, and and to be fair, anybody coming into the club, if you want to sell it, sell it for a profit, you have to. Yeah. Have success, don't mm. you know? I'm not saying like go round win the Champions League four years on the, on the bounce, but show progress on the pitch. Absolutely, yeah. Um, because that increases the value of the of, of your assets, doesn't it? Really. So, I think what I'm trying to say before is that obviously, if it does, this does take over, and we we do do well on the pitch, as as you've been quite rightly saying, and we push on for them Champions League places. Obviously, the three players that have just rattled off then. Everyone knows that they're more than likely without a takeover, they're going to be sold in the next 18 months, them three players. Whereas in, if we do get the results on the pitch quicker and we do guarantee Champions League football, then players will only stay now, surely. Yeah, but it's an interesting thing there. Is, is under the new TV deal, getting Champions League football the be-all and end-all? I think Actually, it's just because I, mean, I know like it yeah. enhances the status of the club and stuff like mm. that, but uh, you know, there's inter- I know it was probably a bit of smoke scene after United went out to the Champions League the other week saying about actually the Premier League's more important for us in the future because of the, the revenue compared to the Champions League but it, it's the step up from Premier League to Champions League is not as great going forward as what it, what it is in the future what it is now has been in the past so you know it, 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 it's just a slight change in what priorities are perhaps going forward well, just, you know? just on the back of that Gav I always remember that when you know first started covering the Blues and talking about potential buyers for the club outright, one of the factors we always mentioned was it's easier to sell a club when it's in the Champions League because it's got that you know sort of global kind. Sorry, it's got that European prestige. Yeah, 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 yeah. People mention that less and less and less now in the last couple of takeover rumours we've heard. It's not even a factor because it's the Premier League it's now the Premier League, is the money yeah, in it, yeah, and yeah. that global brand. If you're in the Premier League, yeah. you're already, you've already made it. Yeah. So that hasn't obviously distracted yeah. the Americans this time. 
being interested in the club because yeah. we're in the Premier League. Yeah. We've got that, and also the potential revenue that they can they can make if they do help us successfully move to a new ground. Yeah, and with the shift, I mean, because that's the one major area. Though the TV rights next year, you know, have gone up. You know, the domestic domestic rights. The real area growth is in overseas mm. rights. You know, and that will happen over the next few years, and also the American market as well. Which is like really, you know, that that's a real area to develop over the next few years as well. You know? it's a, yeah, and it's interesting that John J. Moore's sold the Padres just after a massive TV deal kicked in. They renegotiated. Didn't they renegotiated yeah, yeah. and a huge TV kick deal kicked in with Fox over in Major League Baseball. So that was one of the reasons why he sold then. So, like I say, he's, he's a businessman. I've got no qualms. But he's not going to come over here, relocate his family. You know what I mean? And become lifelong blues and yeah. sort of, you know, drinking Thomas Frost and mm. get down there. Yeah. Every sa- I hope we see him more than we've seen like some Robert Taylor and all, you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But then Liverpool's owners, you've got, you've got to you know, compare and contrast. Liverpool's owners are very rarely there. Mm. But for me, what they're doing is they're quietly getting on with build, well, redeveloping Anfield. Mm. It's the point where Liverpool may, if it goes successfully, be able to move on to that next level. And that's what Everton are crying out for. Yeah. And, and if these can come and do that, with the track record in, in, in San Diego, using regeneration cash and all the complexities of, of the way you have to do it if you haven't got the money. Yeah. Which I presume he, he'll try and use a little bit of that. But I also hope that he is going to put some of his own money towards a new stadium as well. Yeah. Because otherwise, he's just inheriting the same problem mm. that Everton have currently you, got. You wouldn't, surely they, they wouldn't buy a club and, and, and be blind to the, to the issue. It's, it's, You'd imagine you not. You know, it's, it's the... The main thing, isn't it? So yeah. I, I know it's probably for another day, but like the new stadium, I mean, that might not be necessarily a given. Might have the new stadium. To be fair, you don't you don't know to yet. You yeah. know, you know there might be other options available, uh, and that's a, But that changes the financial landscape of like things like ticket prices, doesn't it? Mm. You know, because we've seen like say yeah. across the park about how ticket prices have changed. Yeah, under the new ownership, you know, and that, we, we yeah. do pride ourselves yeah. on that, as you yeah. say. I mean, and that goes back to that, that thing about retaining the, 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 the soul of the club yeah, for once, once the yeah, days, you know. Yeah. And that, that shouldn't be lost. And, yeah. But when you go to a new stadium, you've got to pay for it, haven't you? These are businessmen. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm not talking about, you know, not necessarily these people, but whoever buys the club in the future, it appears to be like pretty much uh, on, the, on the cards. You know, that's what's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But that's all. That all goes back to the point I was asking you about: how do fans feel, and how do you feel about losing? That? Although you said we'd, we've been here before, but you yeah. know we're losing that, or we may lose that kind of ownership of heart and emotion and soul yeah. to more of a cold spreadsheet yeah. mentality. You know, so it's interesting that you talk about the new stadium. <laughs> Initially, Liverpool's—they're not new anymore. Liverpool's owners. We're going to build a new stadium, ends up redeveloping Anfield. All we've ever heard is that it's financially, it doesn't make sense to redevelop Goodison Park in the relative financial terms of the current owners. Who knows if it'll make sense yeah, to, to the to potential new owners yeah. we might see that yeah. developing Goodison becomes back on the agenda. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the key point within that is, and it goes back to TV, is in the next four or five years, the way people will access football will, will change again because it will be more of a TV based. Uh, experience for once, the best of the phrase, because you, you know we are, scan. yeah, absolutely. Um, because you've seen that all the major leagues in Europe, uh, all their matches are on live, yeah. you know, and there's been like a legal challenge over that in England, 
So it shows not beyond the realm of possibility by the time the next TV deal, all games will be able to access live, not necessarily like sort of like on satellite, but you'll be able to go on the internet or whatever. So in that in that financial environment, making building new stages for fifty thousand people when actually twenty thousand of them would rather pay half <laughs> place and watch it at home mm. is a slightly different thing. You know, Juventus are a classic example of that. But they're new ground, they're one of the biggest clubs in Europe, only almost forty thousand people. Yeah. You know, in the past they've had eighty, ninety thousand people. They only built for forty because in Serie A, you know, crowds have fallen so massively because you can watch it live on the telly. Yeah. I mean, same in Germany, but they get around that by charging really, really low prices. Really low prices. Yeah, yeah. So um, that has to come into the, yeah. the 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 arguments about a new stadium and paying for it. Actually, would you be better redeveloping what you've got, and you know, then coining it in through live tally for all live matches in the future that's totally different question that you've done your research on on these two guys well, I've been in Wikipedia because <laughs> <laughs> old wiki are this these when you were at the Padres did they get involved in anything on the playing side of it I think I've read stuff Greg you might know better than me I've read stuff about them signing big name players I mean God, baseball goes over my head I'll be yeah, honest yeah, yeah. yeah no I have read some stuff last night and this morning saying they, they bought you know, big name players on big salaries, and they won regional titles and got to the World Series final. Whatever. I think you get a penance for just forgetting to the World Series, don't you? So <laughs> if the penance is their equivalent, maybe at the Champions League, if you like. Yeah. It sounds like to Something me they, did, they took a club that were, as I said before, also ran mm. into World Series contention. Yeah. Which is only the, the only the big guns really oh, in yeah, World yeah. Series contention. Yeah. So that's what one Padres fan was saying. You know. I, I, I think the gist of the blog I, I read this morning was I don't like the guy, I didn't like the way he ran the club, but I can't argue with the fact that he gave us this amazing new stadium yeah. and yeah. He, cut, he got us a World Series pennant. Yeah. Hadn't, hadn't the uh, final go ahead on a, on a vote because the stadium was heftily funded by taxpayers? I might be wrong on this. There's the state yeah, of San Diego yeah, on, yeah, yeah, on yeah. the back of a particularly good season. I think, it caught, I think the vote had come at the end of the season, they'd done really well, so I think he had. Good luck for yeah. getting any money off this council. But though, that's the thing is, that, you know, that's why I was trying to say before. I'm not saying he's going to come over here and wave a magic wand and do exactly what he did there. Mm. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean that some no, taxpayers yeah, in, yeah. in Merseyside are going to say, "Oh yeah, go on, we'll yeah. we'll agree to." Johansson can't pull a rabbit out of a hat and say all of a sudden, "No, no actually, we can't afford it now." Yeah. yeah. Still, it's yeah. still he's still going to have a very more complex and fraught landscape. But it's just he's got that track record yeah. of delivering it, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you never view how capable an owner is on the basis of success on the pitch. I mean, that's like, you know, again, there's, there's two separate things. That relies on good management. You know, it's like, it's like the Glazers, isn't it? They won the Super Bowl, didn't they, I think, with was it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Kind of, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So that doesn't necessarily mean that make them great owners. When they come to Man United, they've got Alex Ferguson managing for them, haven't he? He delivers them mm. yeah. the trophies on the pitch, not, not the Glazers. And now, like, since Ferguson's left, that, that success has dried up. Doesn't necessarily all of a sudden they become bad owners. It's just like it's who your employees the manager is the important thing. So, go so going back to the basics of this possible takeover from now for the guys listening in, it's the average Everton football fan that basically hasn't got a clue about this. What goes on now? They've got six weeks to look at Everton's books, and yeah, that is yeah. how it works. Yeah, so we believe. I mean, I mean, we we we've, we believe that six weeks, you know. Some consider would be more than enough time to review a business of Everton size and may even be enough time to 
not only look at the books, but if they decide to go ahead to actually finalise the deal. But we look, we haven't got the, we're not privy to the inner workings yeah, yeah. of what of what they believe and what they're looking at and etc etc. But yeah, so that's that's what we understand that it's the six weeks up to the end of January, and then then that's when the period of exclusivity would be up. Uh, so they've got six weeks to make a decision. And on the flip side, of that you you just hope that when they're examining the books, new obstacles don't emerge i.e. things that they didn't know about previously when they've had outline talks I'm talking you know various financial charges and things like that which might make them discourage them from doing a deal or want want to encourage them to try and renegotiate the price yeah you know there's there's, there's things that can happen in due diligence that present barriers to a deal being done or make the asking price change and it relies on the, fle- it, suppose, it relies on the flexibility yeah. of the buyer and the seller I suppose so it, it's a process very 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 far from a formality I would say oh, absolutely yeah I don't expect it to famous last words if whether or not it's happening or not, not to drag on into like the middle of next year I think mm. we'll know you know so it's something like you know, next month the end of next month maybe start mm. of Feb we'll have an idea what's going to happen indeed mm. very good well it was. Uh, we've not even spoke about the footage. We mentioned you know, what goes on in the pitch, but it, you know, it didn't feel particularly appropriate necessarily to be dissecting too much footy with this all going on. But we'll quickly, quickly look ahead. Uh, just go ahead to predictions then for Boxing Day. Newcastle away, 5.30. Greg, what's your prediction? First, before I give a prediction, I've just got to explain, because I've been asked a few times, I've been with Scotty, mm-hmm. like, where does this podcast get recorded? People asking if it's... Doing in your mask kitchen, don't <laughs> yeah. If it's Mrs O'Keefe doing, <laughs> doing the dishes, it's, it's in a costa. And we always time it with immaculate timing with when they decide to wheel about 700 plates <laughs> past and 600 coffee cups. So that, that's the noise in the background. I think she's in Christmas Eve by the sounds of the day. She's just yeah. been told. Exactly. Yeah. There's blood on the wall, isn't there? But yeah, so of course I want to get in such a bit of sponsorship money, by all means. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to predictions. Mm. Newcastle, annoyingly, are just going through a little bit of a mini revival, aren't they? And, and, and results are beginning to look up. However, no CC. I think Everton are currently better on the road. Yeah. Um, so I hope we're going to go there. Uh, interesting to see the, the, the team are actually travelling down on the day, aren't they? Yeah, flying on Travel the up, sorry, Day morning, yeah. On yeah. the day. So uh, you know, they'll have that extra time to spend with their families. Go up in a good frame of mind. I'd say Everton are going to win 2-1. So, prediction? Are the players in Christmas Day, Phil? Uh, I suspect they will be, mate. Yeah, 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 for a little light session. Power hour. Open the gifts off Bobby and then go on. Two-two, Everton Newcastle. You can't just give us a Christmas win, can you? <laughs> no, no chance. Scrooge. Have you been watching Everton this season, mate? <laughs> Gav, predictions for St James's Park. A uh, couple of things. I think yeah. going back to Greg's point, I think Newcastle got three points from the first eight games. I think they got fourteen from the last nine. Right. Uh, but we've only lost once. That's uh, why they call you the stat man. Away, yeah, away from home, haven't we, since uh, the start of the season? Yeah. And I think if you throw back through the record books, when we lost once in, in all competitions, the last time we did that, we avoided defeat on Saturday, I think, was uh, 1908. I, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, you yeah. said 1906. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> our, our away form has been very good, one, one in 12 games, uh, but we have been drawn, and so I'm going to go with the draw. All right, I'm going to be more positive and go with Greg. I think we'll win 2 0. Uh, and some Boxing Day cheer for all Clean the... sheets? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On the mulled wine there, Phil. Uh, Newcastle aren't going to have any corners. <laughs> <laughs> no crosses or anything. So hopefully, hopefully that comes through. Thanks for listening uh, to a special podcast uh, about potential takeover. And uh, on behalf of all, wish you all a Merry Christmas. 
Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Huawei P Smart. Voor 14,50 per maand, 100 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust weken. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld. 